Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. We go to Google for everything from recipes to answers to our most burning questions. But did you know that many people are also looking for therapists on Google? SEO or search engine optimization is the number one way many therapists get clients. And you can learn how to optimize your website for search engines too. This spring, I enrolled in Optimize Your Practice, Therapy SEO's signature group coaching program for therapists who want to learn SEO. Although SEO can get super technical and complicated, Christy Platinga, Therapy SEO's founder, made it super accessible, and I've already implemented things that I've learned in the program. So if you're tired of wondering where your next clients are coming from, Head to optimizeyourpractice.com slash waitlist to get more information about how learning SEO can transform your private practice. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur. I'm so excited to have you. Um, do you want to take a little bit of time and just share about who you are so the audience knows just where you're coming from? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Claire. I'm excited. I am Melissa McCaffrey, and I have a, an online business called QA Prep, where I help therapists simplify their documentation. So I have a whole business where all I do is help therapists with paperwork, (laughs) Um, which seems kind of crazy, but it's that much of an issue. (laughs) And remind the audience, are you a therapist yourself or how did you get into that world of documentation? Just so they have a sense of, yeah, how it all began. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a clinical psychologist and I've done a bunch of different things clinically, like crisis response work and had a private practice and works in agencies and all that, um, got pretty burnt out and took kind of a break from seeing clients and got a job at an agency doing quality assurance during that time. And I did not discover that I love doing audits and reviewing paperwork, but what I did discover is that I really love doing trainings and working with therapists and helping them problem solve like how to simplify the complicated process of documentation and managing it. And because I did have a lot of experience in that world, you know, kind of in that agency environment of being overworked and and having unrealistic expectations for productivity and all that stuff, I very much had to figure that out on my own. And it was really rewarding working with other therapists and seeing that and kind of helping them preemptively 
um, deal with what could potentially turn into burnout, right? So I loved what I was doing and started talking to my friends who were in private practice and was like, you know, if, if I did like, you guys don't have the support, right? These, these therapists at these agencies mm-hmm. could just call me up and ask me questions and I could help them. And, and I had time to do the research and, and create resources for them that they didn't have time to do. Right. I was like, is this something you guys would pay for? Like I, you know, met with a yeah. few friends and would ask them as we were talking and everyone was like, oh my gosh. I need this so badly. Like, please do it. So I tried it out. Um, I actually got uh, some business coaching when I started out. Thank God, because I knew nothing about starting a business or anything and (laughs) didn't know what in the world I was doing. Pretty quickly, it kind of boomed because there aren't a lot of people out there doing this. And it's still a huge need for therapists because as especially if you're in a private practice, you just don't have any specific guidelines for what to do. Like what forms do I need to have? Like, I know I need a consent form and a HIPAA form. What does that mean? And what else do I need? Right. And like, what do I put in my notes? Like when I worked at an agency, it seemed overwhelming and I probably don't have to do as much as I had to do there, but what parts can I take out? Yes. So I started offering, you know, answers to those questions and working with people and, that was in 2013. So wow. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while now. Um, well, that's amazing. Yeah. I say like, I've had a zoom account since 2017. I was ahead of the game. Oh my Uh, gosh. You really were. (laughs) If only I had known. Right. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so I've been doing the online thing for, for many years now and, and absolutely love it. And what did that look like in terms of like transitioning out of your other job into this business, did you like titrate it where you like started the business on the side and then eventually it grew enough to kind of sustain you? Or how would you encourage? Because I know a lot of people that are listening are, you know, therapeneurs, therapists, entrepreneurs, or want to maybe pursue other avenues of income. So how did you even kind of begin that process or have the courage to start? It took longer than I wanted it to, for one. I will just put that out there. And I I have very few, very few regrets about you know, what I've done or lessons I've learned, right. You're going to make mistakes for one, like that's just going to happen. Or you're going to start doing something you think you want and you think you want to do it one way and realize you want to do it a different way. Um, the only regret I have from that period of maybe the first two years starting my business is that I really got caught up in that hustle. Like I've got to hustle hardcore and make a hundred thousand dollars with my business. Hmm. really soon, you know? And I wish I had just given myself the time to, like you said, titrate and kind of transition because I, I think I would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. You know, and not that I didn't enjoy what I was doing, but I, I really felt pressured or like I was being unsuccessful Hmm. if I wasn't having this huge growth really quickly. Yeah. Where do you think that kind of stems from? Like, is it, do you think that's partially just like business culture of like, not like bragging rights, but like my first year in business, I had this number and blah, 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 blah. Or are you more that personality type? That's like, you have high expectations for yourself. You're efficient. You're like, I could do it. Not everyone could, but I think I could. Or like, where do you think that kind of like fire under you to hustle kind of came from? I think it's a couple of different things. So I think basically if you are a therapist, you have at least a master's degree, right? Mm-hmm. So you may not think you're a high achiever, <laughs> But guess what? You're in like the top 1% of educated people. You have no matter what 
it took for you to get where you are now, you are well above the average person as far as what you are accomplishing yeah. education wise. So don't give yourself a hard time about that. Give yourself credit and know that that means you are used to having higher than average expectations for yourself, right? Because you had to. So there's that. I think a lot, I see that with a lot of therapists. We expect to just like try something new or do it and do it well. Yeah. And this is a totally different thing. The other thing is I have noticed, and this is why I'll kind of go back to your earlier question about like, how did I titrate? How did I figure this out? Right. I notice a lot of people are sharing their success stories after the fact, and they're not honest about what it took to get there. So maybe Mm -hmm. someone else yes, is really successful and is doing a great job, but did they spend five years transitioning, right? Or did they have a spouse who was making really good money and they didn't have to worry about supporting themselves as they were starting a business? And that's not a negative thing, but you're not maybe getting the whole picture. Yeah. And we all had different starting spots. And so you can't compare the ending spot to someone else's ending because they started like miles ahead of you or didn't have the same, yeah, stressors or pressures or bandwidth even to do those things. Yeah. If you look at a lot of therapists who, um, especially therapists who are like business coaches and working with, with other therapists to help them grow their business, Mm. those business coaches often had a former career in marketing or content creation or business or something like that. Right. So again, don't compare yourself to that person, (laughs) you know, and I will say one of the best things I did was hire a business coach. So this is not, I'm not trying to do like a sales spiel here, but (laughs) it really is because it, it gave me that shortcut. It was worth every penny to have someone walk me through that. Well, and you're learning what they took years to learn and they're teaching it to you and downloading it to you in like very bite-sized tangible steps. Yes. So don't expect like a hundred percent of the time when I have thought someone was just super successful and like, oh, it was super quick or really amazed at what they did. As I got to know them and learn more about their, their situation, Hmm. I learned they had all these other struggles or they had all these other support things that maybe others don't have. So don't compare yourself, like just enjoy the journey. And not that I'm saying have low expectations, but, (laughs) but it's a balance of like, don't expect you're going to be this, this ultra superstar and have, you know, some crazy successful practice right away. Give yourself that transition time and, and just learn the lessons along the way. Hmm. That's really good advice. I feel like more people need to be speaking into that because I think there can be such a, like, almost like a toxic positivity that kind of happens with business development or, you know, taking leaps. And sometimes it's not, it's too fluffy almost. It's not real life. Um, So I appreciate you like naming even just the pieces of like, you're already in the top 1%. You have a master's at least, and you have this and that. And businesses don't just grow overnight and you don't just learn skills instantly overnight. And just that piece of it's like, my husband always says, it's like, it's the long game, not the short game, you know? And like, that's what you're playing when you're doing the business growth and development. So I just appreciate you naming that. Yeah. Yeah. But let's transition. Cause I know from anyone that probably clicked play to listen to today's episode, it's all about notes, which I'm so glad that you kind of gave us the therapreneur version of just your journey and what brought you into this field, but let's kind of debunk notes because I feel like this is something that I am so excited to learn more from you about. I know the audience is too, because 
for many of us in grad school, we don't even have classes on notes. You go to clinical sites and they say, oh, just do the notes and they don't really give you guidance. So I feel like so many therapists have expressed their insecurity, their fears, their anxieties, the shame around being behind in notes. So maybe you could kind of just start with like, what are the common mistakes that you see like with documentation or like, what are those kind of growing edges that, you know, therapists tend to have with notes? Yeah. Yeah. And all of those things, all those emotional things are so intertwined with it, right? It's, it's kind of like money in that it's a very, it ends up being a very emotional process, even though the process itself is, is neither. Right. So some of the the common things I see are like what you mentioned, falling behind in notes. Most therapists who are really behind in their paperwork assume that they are the only one or that they are one of the only ones, right? Uh, Along with that, they often assume it makes them a bad therapist if they're behind in their paperwork. And I think if you knew how many people are behind, I mean, it is (laughs) unreal how many people are behind. Like it is more common to fall behind in your notes at some point in your career than to not fall behind in your notes, right? And there's different levels of that. So some therapists, it is a consistent problem that they've had maybe since day one, since the pandemic started, I've actually worked with quite a few therapists in the last year who have told me, you know, I've been a therapist for 15, 20 years, and I've never had issues getting my notes done, but now I do. Right. So, so it's, it's definitely increased since the pandemic, partly because of, I think computer fatigue is one thing that's led to it. Um, So people are at their computer to see clients all day and then feel like, oh my gosh, I have to sit at my computer even longer to do all this other stuff too. Or I'm even wondering too, if like that piece, especially towards the beginning of the pandemic, where our world was in a state of trauma and like really trying to make sense of what was happening. And when you're in a trauma response, like it's hard just to like get through the day, let alone, you know, do any kind of tasks that require your brain to kind of access a certain type of thought process, or, you know, I can really see how that would really impact um, people's, you know, effectiveness and ability to stay on top of those tasks. Absolutely. And the acuity of most therapists, um, clients increased during that time, right? Where even if your caseload was exactly the same, it was a more intense day than it was before the pandemic, right? Yeah. And that's going to impact everything too. So I would say that's, that kind of ties into another mistake, which is not planning ahead for that kind of thing. Mm. And what I mean by that is the fact that feeling like you have to have some schedule that a prior supervisor or some other therapist told you that Mm. you should have, right? So kind of thinking like, oh, well, 20 clients a week is standard. So that's what I have to do. But if 20 clients a week for you is overwhelming, then that's, that's just what it is. Right. And so you want to plan for what is realistic for what you can actually get done. And kind of related to that is planning in your schedule. So maybe if you're in that transition period, you're working however many days a week with, you know, another, like at a job, and then maybe you have Saturdays and one evening, one or two evenings a week where you have a private practice, right. That's kind of a common scenario. So are you being realistic about how many of the clients you can see in those time frames? You know, so on that Saturday, are you kind of exhausted? And maybe you're feeling like, oh, well, I really need to get it up to, you know, 
however many clients a week before I can transition. Yeah. But don't burn yourself out in the process. Mm. Um, so really considering like your energy yeah. and how that impacts the work you're doing. I mean, obviously that's going to impact your clinical work too. Definitely. The first sign that something is not working in your schedule is that your notes don't get done. So you're going to stop seeing clients well after you stop doing your notes, right? So the first sign, like you will absolutely see when you get overwhelmed, you're going to return. You're still going to see your clients. Yeah. You're still going to return phone calls, right? And probably do some of the basic paperwork stuff you have to do. Um, you might do your billing. There are other things you're going to do, but your notes are going to become the last priority almost a hundred percent of the time. This is what I see. Do you feel like that's because like not that notes are secret, but they kind of are. And like that piece of like, you could not do it unless you get subpoenaed or someone requests notes or whatnot. There's not like an instant repercussion besides the stress and the guilt, kind of like homework that you haven't gotten done. It like looms. Do you think it's that piece where like, if you don't return a phone call, that's concerning. That person is not going to trust you or not feel like you're responsive. Like the things that you're naming of even taking on another client session that you don't have bandwidth for, mm. but for some reason, like the note piece, like, because it's so individualized and by yourself and you're accountable, like that's where people get stuck. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it is you kind of know you do because you do like, you do have flexibility for when you get it done, right? You don't have to do it today. You could do it tomorrow. It's probably going to be just as fine. No one's going to care. No one's going to know. Right. Um, and then it doesn't happen tomorrow and then it doesn't happen the next day. Right. And that's, that's kind of what happens. So that's a common reason. I think another reason is that we see the paperwork is very separate from the clinical work we're doing. Hmm. So this is another common mistake that I see because it's seen as this completely separate thing. We don't prioritize it to the level that we would prioritize actually returning a client phone call. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that writing a note is as important as returning a client's phone call, but it is pretty high up there, uh, as far as client care and as far as our ethical requirements, et cetera. Mm. But there are a lot of things that keep us from prioritizing it in that way. And if you feel like your notes don't matter, then of course you're not going to prioritize them. Right. (laughs) So it's part of that, like. I can keep this secret. So there, I see therapists who feel like the notes really are truly very very important and feel horribly guilty because they're not getting them done, you know, because of whatever things. Right. And then I also see therapists who just don't care and feel resentful. Um, I see this a lot with therapists who work with insurance. Actually, they feel resentful that like, oh, the insurance company is making me do it this way. Or why do we have to do all of this? And so they don't value the notes or the paperwork in general. Um, and it's almost like a rebellion, you know, against doing the notes. Oh, that's curious that you like even describe the differences and like personalities and what they, what their reasons are, how they hold the anxiety or stress of it not getting done. And like, it's either like, I feel bad about it or like, you know, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to, um, that's so interesting. So what would you say? Like, cause you're kind of starting to name it, but like, what do you say are like the causes of why people don't do their notes? Like, are those kind of the things you've already listed or are there other things that you tend to see like people not like taking too long on their notes? And so they imagine it needs to be a certain amount of time and they never quite have that a lot of time in their schedule. And so it just never gets done or they don't schedule the note time in their schedule or they have too many sessions back to back or like, what are the common things that you 
have noticed as you've worked with people? Yeah. And there are a variety of reasons. So this is really helpful to consider, like, especially if you're a supervisor or any, in any capacity working with other therapists, you know, two therapists may have very different reasons for being behind or just struggling in, in general. Hmm. So one is like, you mentioned a couple of them. So one is just scheduling and that could be practically just being kind of new and not realizing how much time it's going to take, not scheduling it in your calendar. Um, especially if you are, do have a lot going on thinking about the fact that, okay, if I have 10 clients a week and it takes me 10 minutes to do a note, that's a hundred minutes a week. I need to do notes, just notes nothing else, no other administrative stuff aside from the session, all of that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a significant amount of time. A lot. When you said a hundred, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so part of it is just kind of the planning and, and considering all of that stuff. Um, another is sort of related to that when notes take a really long time. Uh-huh. So if you're the type of person and, you know, therapists as a group, we tend to be kind of an anxious group of people mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> so a lot of therapists that I work with really want to do the notes really well and never got training in how to do the notes really well, or they sought out training early on in their career and a supervisor gave them negative feedback oh, and no. didn't tell them how to, um, like how to do notes or, I mean, I can't tell you how many therapists have told me, I asked a supervisor how you know, how do I write the notes? Right. And the supervisor mm-hmm. said, Oh, you should know that already. That's not my job oh to teach my it to gosh. you. And so you kind of immediately, when you have an experience like that, so early on in your career, then you're, it's, it's like, you're trained, like, Oh, I, this is, this is shameful. I can't ask for help around this. And right? I can't admit that I don't know, especially mm-hmm. if I'm however far along that that's going to be something I'll be judged about, or maybe that's a sign that I'm not a good therapist because I don't know that yet. Oh, that's so awful. <laughs> And those therapists often are floundering, right? And they're mm-hmm. worried. And it's like, maybe my notes are good. Maybe they're not, but they don't know. So they, those are the therapists where maybe it takes them 20 to 30 minutes to write a note. Um, and they sit there at the computer and uh, type things and then reread things and then edit the note. And then they'll leave it unfinished and not sign it because they're afraid that it's not good enough yet. So they're going back to it. Um, so I guarantee there are people listening to this right now who are like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I do. So that's a really common one. So if it's taking you that long to do your notes, like that's just not realistic. I mean, for one, it's very stressful. It makes it a very stressful experience to just writing the note. Um, but then practically if it's taking you 20, 30 minutes to write a note that extends how much time you need to do notes by a lot. And that's just not realistic for most people. Um, so that's a big one. Another one that found through working with people that I don't really hear anyone else talk about is, um, like physical health issues. So I work with a lot of people where they have like a chronic illness. Um, so maybe someone who suffers from severe migraines, um, working with people where maybe they started getting behind on their notes when they got pregnant and had a lot of like illness through the pregnancy or someone who was hospitalized and like, you know, you just like, you weren't planning on being hospitalized and get out of the hospital. And now you have some back issue and you can't sit comfortably for long periods of time like you used to. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that comes up where it's some other issue that is keeping you from physically sitting down at the computer and getting notes done. 
And similar to like maybe a learning disability or ADHD. So ADHD, um, I am not really good at all this stuff. I've had to figure it out. Um, I like to always mention that, you know, similar to that kind of thing. It's, it just means that you have to plan differently, right? So Mm -hmm. again, with the expectations, okay. I know I have significant migraines and I know that they tend to impact my work. And once you deal with a chronic issue, whether it's a health issue or more of a mental health issue, you know, at this point, you probably recognize how, how it impacts your life. And so it's not a matter of denying it. How can I adjust my schedule and adjust my, my expectations accordingly? Hmm. I like that you're naming that too, because I think those are the kind of things that we don't always think of as private practice owners of um, you know, really having the foresight to maybe have systems in place for the what if scenarios of, you don't know if you'll have an injury or you don't know what pregnancy might feel like, or, you know, different things that you just don't, you just don't know. And I really appreciate you naming like the health piece and also the different pieces, whether it's physical or mental that can impact it. Like if you're a therapist that suffers from depression, or you have times that you struggle to get things done too, like just how that would impact. And I like that you named the ADHD piece as well. Yeah. I don't hear a lot of people talking about a lot of these different reasons. And um, it's important to look at why, because it's going to significantly impact the strategy you use um, to deal with whatever is going on in your notes, whether it's just not feeling comfortable writing notes and not knowing how to write notes or just making time for it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. Um, What would you kind of say, like, why do you feel like um, people tend to be fearful of notes, especially as therapists, like what, what is the root of that? Or what do you notice with fear around documentation? Yeah, I've noticed fear. And I think one thing I've really noticed the last few months, and I mean, I've been doing this for a good eight years now. Right. And just kind of put this together the last few months is that we're really taught that paperwork is punishment. Hmm because I'll work with people and I'll say, oh yeah, this is all you have to do. Right. And we'll use all these strategies to simplify notes. And the question I get so often, I mean, I have been doing this for how long I've worked in all these different settings and people are paying me money and trust me to help them with their notes. And then they'll still say to me, are you sure that's good enough? Like, are you sure, are you sure that's okay? And it's because we have ingrained in us that paperwork has to be difficult. If it's not difficult, it must not be good enough, right? If it wasn't hard for me to write a note, then it must not be a good note. That's kind of what we think. So I think that has a significant piece in why we are fearful around documentation. There's that. And then there's the whole litigious thing is another big part of it. So one of the most common things I hear from therapists is, um, you know, well, I I don't know what to put in my notes or, um, because I don't want it to harm my client. So it's not necessarily that therapists as a group are like other business owners, just kind of scared of being sued. Right. I mean, there is, there is a little bit of that, but I really feel like it's more about therapists, not wanting to harm their clients, like being worried that the way they document a session is going to have a negative impact somehow in the future. Yeah. And do you think that kind of stems from like a fear of like being subpoenaed and then like having to talk about it in court 
Or do you think there's also the pieces of what you named earlier of like, if a supervisor refuses to teach you the note style or doesn't show their notes to you, like this fear of never enoughness of like, oh, well, I don't, I'm imagining everyone else is doing it a certain way. Like, I'm just curious, like what you think in terms of where that stems from. Yeah. Yeah. You must know something about therapists because it's, it's definitely, it's definitely both of those. Uh, so part of it is just like, oh, I, I don't want it to show up in court, you know, and, and the reality is people do tell us like negative things they do in their life. They tell us things that you wouldn't want someone to read in court. Right. So, um, so it's, that's not even an unrealistic fear some of the time, right? Like you might have a client who told you all kinds of stuff. And if, if that was read in court, they would look pretty bad. Right. Um, you know, there's a reality there. And then the other part is, yes, if I do that, whomever is seeking out the information is not going to have the information they need because I didn't write it the right way. Right. So it's, it's a both, oh my gosh, am I going to write the wrong thing? And it's going to make my client look bad and just not good at doing these notes. And so it's going to make me look bad and also not serve the purpose that my client needs these notes to serve. Well, and I'm also curious because you named like therapists tend to seem a little bit more anxious or have a little bit more of that tendency. And when you listed what you just did of like not really knowing what the notes are going to be used for, how anxiety filled that is where you're like, well, if I do get subpoenaed, will it be because of a child, you know, custody thing, or will it be because of a lawsuit or like what, what's going on? And so you're like, don't really know what you're writing the notes for, but it sounds like maybe that piece of like using our own therapeutic skills to ground ourselves and remember what is being asked of me, like what are the ethical and the legal obligations? Like, so maybe finding more like peace and comfort in that versus letting your mind wander into like the what ifs of why this client might need to access this or see this, but really just doing your due diligence of what's my checklist, what needs to be covered for sure. And so I'm curious if you want to kind of speak into that too, of like for anyone listening, like what are some tips that they could use as they want to improve their documentation or maybe their note-taking process? Like, are there specific things that you would encourage, like begin here? These are for sure the, the boxes to check, or these are some tips and tricks that could support you. Right. Yeah. Cause we know as therapists, like what is the solution to, if someone is really fearful, what is the solution? If someone's really fearful about something, it's like information, right? So get some information about it, learn about it so you can understand it. Yeah. And then actually tackle it in a supportive way. Right. So, I mean, this is the same thing we would tell anyone else to do. (laughs) So some quick tip, I'll start with one that's kind of, it's related to notes, kind of unrelated to what we've just been talking about. Okay. But it's one that any therapist can do right now, as soon as you stop listening to this, whenever you see your next client. And that is end your sessions on time. Hmm. so a lot of therapists, like probably like half of the audience was like, Oh, as soon as I said that, because they know what happens, (laughs) right. It's like you end up going over and then you feel stressed and don't have time Hmm. to do your notes. And I don't believe that doing like seeing a client for 50 minutes, for example, and then doing a note for 10 minutes and then seeing the next client for 50 minutes and then doing a note for 10 minutes. I don't believe that works for most therapists. So I'm not saying that that's the end game. Yeah. But if you're already going over in your session times, then you're not even letting that be a possibility, right? The other part of it is if you're going over in your session times, 
we all know there's other things you need to do. So like, and you need to take care of yourself. You need to go use the restroom. You need to get water, like all have, have food, all this stuff. So if you keep going over in sessions at the end of the day, you're just wiped out. And then the last thing you want to do is sit there and write notes. Yeah. Well, and you're also kind of like reliving the session. Like sometimes I feel like that's my, my struggle Mm -hmm. is like, if it was a hard day of clients or they're talking about trauma, are there things I need to document that I know I need to like definitely record like, Oh, I don't want to have to go back into that memory of that, whatever they shared or whatever. You just like, don't have the energy at the end of the day to like revisit the sessions again. Yeah. So really try, even if that's the only thing you do, that's what I tell people to start with is just end your sessions on time. Because at the very least, even if you make no progress on writing notes differently, you will feel better at the end of the day. (laughs) Right. And you will like have a better life. (laughs) So like start there end your sessions on time and give yourself that time in between. Mm -hmm. So that's one quick tip anybody can do. Yeah. And related to that, I do say, you know, introduce it to your clients. So don't just, uh, you might say, well, I always go over and that's what they're expecting. Yes, they are. That's, that's okay. Uh, and at the next session, just tell them, Hey, you know, we typically go over in sessions, but I'm really, you know, I'm going to start, um, ending our sessions on time. So today we'll end at, you know, whatever time you would end at. Okay. So kind of like start off the session by letting them know, and then remind them, And that's okay. Even if you finish it five minutes earlier than you did the last time, you're still improving. Right. So, um, so make that attempt, but yes, your clients may have a reaction to it. Um, most of your clients are going to be fine. If 75% of your clients are cool with it, then that's a win. So start there. The next thing that can help a lot, and this is more actually with the writing Hmm. is if you can get away from writing full sentences as much as possible. Tell me more. Yeah. Yes. So use check boxes if you can, like if you have an EHR and you can create uh, your own note template, use check boxes as much as possible, meaning that you pre-create options for yourself and all you're doing is going in and checking things off. Like no no suicidality or, you know, expressed intent, like all those kind of things. And related like interventions Mm. is a big section that really I recommend everybody already have pre-created check boxes for because you're probably offering very similar interventions regularly to people. And that's, that's normal. That's what you should be doing. Right. (laughs) Um, And there's no reason to have to produce the information every time you sit down to write a note, it's mentally taxing to translate a session into a note. And when you have it kind of pre-created for you and you're just visually looking at, Oh yeah, here's what I did. Check. Here's what I did. Check. It makes it so much easier. And then if you do have to write something, use bullet points. Okay. So instead of writing out, you know, client reported X, Y, Z, uh, and then client um, expressed, blah, 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 you know, client presentation, boom, boom, boom. And then do checkpoints or I'm sorry, uh, bullet points underneath it. Right. So if you do have to like write the information out, okay. use bullet points as much as possible. Even let's say you don't, you can't do the interventions checkboxes provided the following interventions bullet points so that you're keeping it simple. And the thing is when you write it that way, if you're going back to reference it later, it's way easier to read. It's very organized. And like, as someone who used to go in and read everybody's notes, right. It's way easier to read that than to read like two (laughs) paragraphs of a story. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So I feel like those are like really tangible 
easy fixes or like very doable. Like sometimes I think when we think about the conversation of notes, it's like, okay, I'm going to have to redo all the things, but like what you're naming seems so kind, like end on time, have those boundaries, um, you know, take care of yourself. And then also that piece of like, what are your systems like? And can you create better systems that will help eliminate the stress and make it more efficient? Um, yeah, that's just like, it feels so comforting to hear you say that. Yeah. And if you use paper, if you use an EHR, it doesn't matter what, e like you can use that strategy for uh, however you do documentation right now without having to sign up for something new or change what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, I know our time, speaking of time, our time is wrapping up. Um, I'm wondering for anyone that's listening, like how can they stay connected to you and, or like if they're listening to this conversation and they're like, oh my gosh, I would love to connect with Melissa, either with consultation or does she do courses or how can I get a download of these templates that she's talking about? Um, do you sell and offer those as well? Like fill us in on how people can connect with you and what they can learn from you. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a few different things, but I would say I start with check out the free crash course I have. It's a crash course on documentation and I cover from like intake to discharge, basically all the paperwork you need for your clients. I have some templates as part of that, um, some example notes so that you can see like, how, how am I writing the notes? Right. And it's all free. So I say, start there. Um, if you go to qaprep.com forward slash crash course, you'll see it. Awesome. And I'll link it as well. Yeah. Awesome. So, or if almost any page on the website kind of links to the crash course. So that's, okay. that's the best place to start. And then if you feel like you still need more support at that point, you'll know if you like hearing from me or you get tired of <laughs> hearing from me, if you want to actually do more and, um, and you'll know if you feel like you need more support. Um, I also do individual consultations. So sometimes I'll work with people where um, a really common reason is just catching up on your notes. Like it's overwhelming. You want some support. Or um, if you feel like I just have no idea what I'm doing and it takes me forever to write notes, then we can work together and create a template for yourself and create specific strategies to what you do. Um, that feel really personalized and mm. get you saving time. I love it. Well, and I feel like even your options are so kind because it's like, here's a free option if you wanted to dip your toes in it and kind of like get a sense of your teaching style and all of those things. But then also that step further if they want more personalized, customized support, which I'm imagining would be very healing and therapeutic for people that didn't get that in grad school or during their associateship or all the different clinical hours that they accrued. So for sure. For sure. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of tears in those consultations. Oh my gosh, I believe it. <laughs> and even like the piece very similar to like starting therapy. It's like the piece of like even admitting, Hey, I would like to see a therapist or, Hey, I would like to ask you to teach me how to do my notes, even though I've been licensed for 20 years or whatever it is, um, takes a lot of courage and it's really scary, but also affirming that you're saying so many people struggle. Cause I think that really normalizes something that can often feel so isolating and insular. Um, but thank you, Melissa, because I feel like whether it's being on the podcast today, sharing your knowledge and your story of, you know, your own journey to building this business, but also just like that piece of, I feel like we need more people that are meeting needs, not just for mental health, but for the therapists that are providing the mental health services. And what you have with QA prep is so just needed in terms of like a resource for note-taking that I feel like 
all the universities and all the clinical sites should be using because we need more of this. Like this is really important stuff. So thank you for meeting that need for therapists too. Oh, thank you. I love it. I love the therapists I work with. Oh, well, thank you for being here today. And hopefully we'll have you back on at some point soon. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thanks for having me. So you want to launch a private practice, but you don't know where to begin. Well, you are in luck. Our signature course, Flourishing in Private Practice, is coming October 2022. This 12-hour self-paced course is perfect if you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that is wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss. This course will walk you through all the steps from the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples, templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. If this is you and you are wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our waitlist to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, and it's available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.